1: Nearly $4 million dropped in salary in the latest NYCFC roster move, technical staff announcements, and the MLS Cup playoffs. That and more coming up on NYCFC Views.
0: Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast, sick podcast. NYCFC Views.
1: Collins of coaches, the shot, and New York City! Wins the first MLS Cup on their first try! And they're going
0: crazy! It's goal!
2: Goal! New York City is the champion of Major League Soccer!
0: The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick.
1: Uh, Here we are, Uh, not preparing uh, for a playoff game. It's, uh, I think, our earliest off-season discussion that we've had since 2015. I'm Glenn Crooks, Roberto Abramowitz, your NYCFC radio commentators uh, here on NYCFC Views. Roberto, what's happening? How's your week going? How you doing?
0: It's going fine. I got over a cold. I am feeling better, much better right now. Got a good night's sleep. Uh, Have a good cup of coffee with me. I mean... It's a good morning. The sun is shining, and uh, we're not in Montreal where it snowed. Sorry, Juliana.
1: Yeah, Juliana, our producer today, uh, my good friend Marco Basucci sent me uh, a photo yesterday uh, cleaning off his windshield. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, Montreal's a, it's a different place. i tell you, January and February, if you, we think we know cold here in the uh, metropolitan area. No, we do not. not and not by me. the way, coffee mug this is uh, this is Mexican born this mug uh,
0: it is it looks right beautiful on, yeah. by the way and uh, I get the transparent one that's uh, it's supposed to keep it warmer
1: yeah well let's uh, let's get right into it uh, New York City FC before we get to the technical staff and uh, Nick Cushing who's under contract will be the coach next year David Lee who's under contract will be the sporting director next year we'll chat about that a little bit perhaps. Uh, but the but the roster moves were announced just yesterday, and uh, I think we on our little text thread between you, myself, uh, your broadcast partner Ariel Hudas, and mine, uh, Maddie Lawrence, uh, we didn't uh, we didn't think there were really any any surprises on here. Uh, I did mention yeah. at the top uh, a lot of money um, has been dropped, uh, especially with the departures of Matias Pellegrini and Alfredo Morales, and th- those are two different stories there. But just to go through it. In addition to those, and Brian Cufre, uh, it's uh, Nico Benalcazar, Brian Cufre, uh, Jonathan Jimenez, Alfredo uh, Morales, Samuel Owusu, Matias Pellegrini, and Stephen Turnbull, where the club declined the options of those seven, exercising the options of Luis Baraza, Matt Fries, the two goalkeepers, Andres Jason, Kevin O'Toole, and Gabe Siegel, who is uh, uh, in the Middle East uh, on loan where he's played very little. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. Uh, what was your initial thoughts about the, uh, the roster moves, Roberto?
0: No, no real surprises, I mean, at, at all. I mean, I can understand every what well, You can make a good argument for every one of these guys that was dropped. Uh, a, maybe a little bit surprised with Kufre. It, because he only got a year over here, but then again, he's been supplanted in the starting lineup. He wasn't as consistent as they wanted him to be, especially on the defensive side. So uh, he winds up being sacrificed. We didn't get to see anything of Jonathan Jimenez, who basically played with NYC FC2. Same thing goes for Samuel Ousso. Uh Pellegrini underperformed, especially for the size of his contract and uh, for as much of a a great leader that that he is. And, you know, there was a lot of talk, especially from the coaching staff, about how good he was in the locker room. Uh, He just never seemed to be able to equal that on the field. And, look, at the end of the day, you basically have to perform, especially if you're getting over a million dollars a year. And uh, Stephen Turnbull, uh, once, uh, you know, Mitch Ilinic showed up, I mean, his time uh, playing basically disappeared, and he wound up going to NYCFC 2. So no no real surprises.
1: Well, no, that's that, you have that a little backwards. He was NYCFC 2 yeah. all last year, and then uh, due to uh, injuries to both Gray and Ilinich, uh he was brought on and signed to the first team. In, uh, there's some exceptional clause in there where he could be signed, but then he couldn't go back to the two-team, and uh, I think I have that right, uh, but he, uh, you know, they had to. There was a point where they had to either sign him or release him. And right. uh, I had some communication with Steven, and I just asked him, you know, what his next move might be. And he said he's not sure yet. Uh, he's getting together with his uh, agent, and they're, they're going to, you know, he said he's going to have to be patient. But uh, I, I think there'll be something out there for him. I, you know, uh, a two-way player, and one of the, you know, it was interesting because. Uh, He could kind of do what Ilinich did, but probably not quite to that level. And he could defend like Gray, although not to that level. Exactly. He could really do both, and that's one of the reasons he played. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he played he played in one or two matches where Ilinich was back healthy or Gray, because he was he was doing pretty well.
0: He was he was a little bit of a hybrid of both of them, but not as good yeah. at both as what they do best. So Ilinich attacking and uh great defending. And yeah, I mean, he needs to work on his offensive game, especially on his crosses. I remember, you know, the thing that stands out is, is the opportunities that he was able to create by getting down the wing and doing the right. And, the, and then just not being able to put a good cross in the box. So, uh, you know, that's something that he could still work at and improve at. And uh, I hope he gets another chance and he succeeds. And uh, he has a great career here on end. This isn't an end, it's just a new beginning someplace else.
1: And I, I, I did reach out to Gabe Siegel as well, uh, mostly because he's, I don't know exactly what's happening, but he was loaned to Tel Aviv. And we understand there's massive issues right now um, in that part of the world. And, uh, but he is, uh, he is on loan there through June of 24. And then, uh, you know, does he show something so that he uh, can get back into the mix with New York City FC? You wonder what will happen there. I haven't really been able to talk to anybody in the club specifically about these guys. Sometimes we'll get an indication as to whether they're, you know, going to be brought back or looked at closely. Uh, but uh, Gabe has only played three matches for a total of 34 minutes for Tel Aviv. So, so far, not so good for him as far as trying to, you know, maybe show something.
0: No, without, without a doubt. I mean, he's in a tough position. And obviously over there, the only thing you right now you worry about is his safety and everybody's safety down yeah. there. So, um, you know, and hopefully uh, they can – things normalize war ends and, you know, people can get back to their lives. Um, yeah. just terrific. I, I can't even think about it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I, I do want to mention, uh, Alfredo Morales, how vital, you know, I think at times we've thought maybe, uh, you know, a guy's making what over 620 grand. I mean, he's on a good salary and, um, uh, perhaps he didn't, uh, Performed to the level as expected, but I don't see it that way because I'll just, I just go back to the MLS cup winning year. And even though he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't really become a regular along the way until parks got injured. But once parks went down, Morales became the permanent structure there. And he played all but one minute in the MLS cup playoffs that year, Roberto. So, you know, for whatever, and he's suffered numerous injuries that have kept him out. Uh, so for whatever anybody thinks about what he's accomplished in his time in New York City, I think without him they may well not have won MLS Cup. So that's that's oh, what without I'll a doubt.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it was sort of hard for him to break in as as a regular starter when you have Parks and and Sands, when both of those guys are just really really good. Obviously Sands left and he had an opportunity, but then he was hurt, and so then Jason. Uh, then uh, Hack came in and and performed very well there as well, um, and now Sam's is better now with Sands back and you've got Sands and Parks again. You know it became difficult for him to be able to to break in. I know I remember they tried him on defense, central defense. That exactly wasn't his thing. But I think you make a great point of how important he was in that year where New York City made that run towards the end, and then you know after that Atlanta game with uh, Goody Torrance's goal all the way through, and uh, he was a huge part of that. And uh, probably without him, New York City doesn't win that championship.
1: And I think the most disappointing player on the roster this year for me, Roberto, and wonderful guy, and uh, you probably spoke to him a little bit more because his English is limited, was Brian Cufre, who came in on a massive contract with massive expectations. Granted, he's a young boy, but uh, I just, and I mentioned it last week, if there was one thing that disappointed me, you know, as you look and you're trying to evaluate the coaching staff and the players and how everything progressed is his inability to improve during the course of the year and losing out to Kevin O'Toole, which is no insult, but it's a college graduate acquired through the draft and and versus another guy who transfers in when you, you have these expectations that he's going to bring you to another level. so. I, you know, people can say whatever they want about Tylus Magno and uh, those sorts of things, but I, I thought Kufre, I think Koufrei lists for me number one on the disappointment scale.
0: Playing he wise job, he lost his job twice this year, yeah. and part of it, I mean, he couldn't seem to play ninety minutes. Remember at the beginning of the season, he couldn't get through sixty, and they would take him out of the game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think you see the potential there. And he scored some important goals. And I remember one game, I, there was one game in particular, and I don't remember which game it was, where New York City desperately needed a goal. And he just basically bombed forward the entire time. He was almost a center forward. And you wish that that was the guy that you got throughout the season or year long. And you did it. You saw
1: flashes, no question.
0: Without a doubt. So it's massively disappointing that, again, New York City's got to. Go back and look for another starting left, you know, left back. And um, it's been a while. They've been, they, they've, how many guys have they tried there in that position already? Between no. him, O'Toole, uh, Admanson, um, um yeah. the guy I just mentioned, ah, uh, Torarinson, Matarita. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And they still haven't been able to find somebody to lock that position down.
1: It's almost like the number of quarterbacks the Jets have had over the years, you know, sort of that trying to find the right quarterback. All
0: right. right.
1: Every every podcast, I'm going to get New Jersey and the Jets both into into every podcast, Roberto.
0: And I'm the one who works for the Jets, not you. Fine.
1: (laughs) So um, there'll be a lot more uh, to be said of, about the roster and the needs. Uh, right now, only two central defenders on, on the roster. So uh, that's an area too. But let's get to the technical staff. Uh, we mentioned Nick Cushing and, and David Lee. And there was uh, a post put out uh, by the club, which, look, they're both under contract. So th- it's not like the club's going to say, uh, hey, they're coming back. No, you they're under contract. But because of the um, hashtag Cushing out, hashtag Lee out, and all uh, the negativity, which uh, you know I, we believe is, is a minority of the supporters, you know, being that fervent in their dislike for these two and the fact that they need to be out, you know, we get we get stuff said to both of us uh, online pretty consistently because we've been supportive of Nick. Uh, but they're going to be here in 2024, so if you want to be angry, go ahead and be angry. But that's what's going to be. What you need to do is put your positive energy towards the group. And uh, we know that Marty Edelman, the chairman who put this announcement out, said they're going to they're get the players to become a better team in 2024. Because
0: I, I mean, that said a lot. To me, that was the yeah. most important thing, because to me, that's an admission that they didn't do enough this year. Yeah, And we've talked about the deficiencies that the roster has had. The fact that they didn't have a center forward for most of the year, uh, that they tried to convert tireless It didn't work the same way that it worked with Castellanos. So, um, and they, they didn't really, you know, have a plan B. I mean, aside from Gabe Siegel, which with all respect to Gabe Siegel, wasn't really the answer, although he did score a couple of really important goals for New York City. So, If they, and they lowered the budget, they lowered the player budget. And New York City was around what, 15, 16, which put them somewhere in mid range as far as where, you know, all the teams are. You know, it wasn't Colorado, it wasn't the Red Bulls, but it wasn't exactly Toronto or Inter Miami either. So they said that they're going to support them. And the way that they phrased it, it just seems to say, hey, yeah, we didn't support them as much as we probably should have this year, and we're going to fix that for next year. That's yeah. the way I read it. I don't know how you read it.
1: No, I think uh, that's uh, as uh, clear as you could put it uh, for sure. And uh, I think it was important for the club to put something out there. So whether the supporters, the ones that are uh, against Nick, or and the ones that are for, either way, it, it, it matters little right now because he's back guiding the team in 24, as is David Lee. Uh, as the sporting director. Now, um, a couple of technical uh, positions, uh, technical staff positions, uh, one announcement, uh, well, it hasn't come from the club, but it was put out there uh, that Cleberson uh, will uh, not be with the club. And uh, Juan Carlos broke the news. And yes. uh, he, um, Cleberson was with the Philadelphia Union, was with their academy uh, and he moved over to New York city FC because he thought he would have, and he told me this in an interview, and we're going to play a clip here in a moment, told me that, uh, he moved to New York city FC because I, you didn't have to read too deeply between the lines is that, you know, he felt that maybe he would have more of a contribution, uh, in terms of, uh, training preparation and, and match uh, game management, and indeed he did. But he was also brought over because there were five Brazilians, four of whom who didn't speak much English uh, on the side, or if any English, and uh, Cleberson, and we've seen it in training uh, during the course of our time with the, the likes of Magno and, and Thiago and uh, Pereira, you know, who were uh, – who would Cleberson would be standing right next to them in training, and pretty much translating what Nick Cushing had to say to them so that they understood what they were trying to get out of a certain moment. Not every, not all the time, but we saw it enough to know how important he was.
0: Oh, uh, for sure. And now they're down to Magno, he's the only Portuguese, Brazilian player or Portuguese speaking player. Uh, that they ha- Well, actually, that's not true. Him and uh, Martins, Martins so, uh, yeah, right. But I keep on thinking of Martins more of a mentor than anything else. So, um.
1: And he speaks So, yeah, so Martins they've got more
0: to take care of Magno, basically. Well, he, but he speaks English. So, you know, yeah, and he speaks English, he speaks yeah. Spanish, he speaks yeah. Japanese, although I don't think that's going to come into play.
1: <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, uh, the, the the Cleberson interview. So, Roberto, I, I sat down with Cleberson after um, I was very privileged to be able to go to Qatar. Thank you to SiriusXM and United Soccer Coaches and New York Post Digital and NewJersey.com so I could go and cover this thing. But on the flight back, I noticed that Qatar Airways, or airlines, uh, they, had this, um, they had this collection of full World Cup games, including 2002. And I knew Clubberson, you know, played in that game. Brazil ended up beating Germany 2-0. So I watched the full match, and it was so interesting. To, I've never really focused on him like that as a player before and how good he was. And then learning that he actually was put in a different role that game to get more forward and be involved in the attack. Ronaldo scored both goals, but uh, Cleberson uh, set up both of them as well. Didn't get assists on both maybe, but he was involved in both of them, getting closer to the goal. But what was really interesting, Roberto, is that he was on a bench for the first World Cup game, and by the time the final came around, he was like, they had to have him on the pitch. But this, uh, here, this clip I'm going to play, I thought it was pretty funny. When he when he got first with the national team, he's got Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, two guys that like to have the ball.
2: And here's what he had to say about that. I love Ronaldo. Because Ronaldo, even like the guys get one time with a picture of me and Ronaldo when like a, we really close, we have a hat, to hat really close because he, he come to me one time and say, he called me like a um, – He's Z- Zeca. He's a Zeca Pagodinho. There's a guy in Brazil, like a musician guy, and then he called me. Hey, every ball you have, try to find me. Okay, don't worry. Receive the ball. Try to find me. I can make the game for us, right? Just, just do this, kid. I say, okay, perfect. <laughs> and then uh, every time when I have the ball, I try to get him. But Ronaldinho's coming. Say the same. <laughs> Every ball you <laughs> grab, pass the ball to me. And Ronaldo is the same. I say, oh, my God, who, who so should have pass the ball? So like a, you have to you, balance it then, huh? I, I have to balance, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> the, I was When I receive the ball, I'm looking. I'm glad those two play in the front of me. Right. Because it's more easy for me. Because I just like a receiver, putting my heads up, I say, whoa, Ronaldo's a better situation. Play ball to him. Oh, Ronaldinho is a better one. Because Ronaldo always tries to get away from the defender to receive the ball in one v one and go to the goal. Ronald, do you know Ronald, do you want the ball in a tight space because you want to do the magic? Zible <laughs> everyone and uh, that, that's different. So that's make it more easy to me to play, you know what I mean? How cool is that? I mean
1: I sat with him for about a half hour but <laughs>
0: So That's they both great. Said, I mean, can you imagine you playing the ball to Ronaldinho and then getting stared down by Ronaldo? And then you play it to Ronaldo and then getting stared down by Ronaldinho. There's no winning in that situation, by the way. You well, always lose.
1: Look how smart he was, though. He knew what each one of them wanted. So he'd pick out the situation. So imagine you had the responsibility of like, he was kind of a, a low-lying uh, defensive midfielder, you know, winning the ball and getting it forward. So not only they had to that response, then he had to figure out where these guys were and who was in the best position to play But that's how valuable he was. He was valuable to the coaching staff here at New York City FC. I know that, uh, and uh, he uh, will no longer be with the staff. So it's unfortunate. Great guy too, you know. If we saw him, he was always always oh, had a smile, a doubt.
0: really yeah. great. Always had a smile no matter the situation. Always being positive and looking forward. Um, he'll definitely be missed around here. If we get a chance to uh, speak to him to see what his future plans are, we'll obviously share them here.
1: Yeah. And uh, one final little story is uh, where I get my hair cut. The woman who owns it is you her name's Lily. The woman who know- owns it is named Lily. Her son cuts my hair, Frankie. But Lily is from Rio de Janeiro. And Frankie told me he goes, "Oh my mother loves Kleberson." so I he, I went into uh, the training facility and sure enough eventually I got this uh, uh, autograph photo of Kleberson, uh, Cleberson which I presented to her uh, and I have pictures of it. I probably should have posted that at some point, but I did post it, but I, I could have shown it here but nonetheless, uh Cleberson was the most requested autograph at New York City FC in 2023. How about that? An assistant coach who you don't really hear much about. And that's how widely popular this guy is and what what he meant to the uh, Brazilian group. You know, crazy.
0: I mean, he's a a legitimate superstar. I mean, he really is. (laughs) He's a legitimate World Cup winning superstar. And he, you know, sort of laid low and unassuming Uh, here in major league soccer and contributed greatly for sure. And it doesn't surprise me that he was so requested.
1: And he told me, he said, he he loves being in America because he could take his family out to dinner. You know, you hear these stories, but he said, even now, when he goes back, he can't like have any peace when he goes to a, you know, a department store or, you know, people still recognize him and, and just, uh, it must be nice to be that beloved. and then, But you also see the side of it where he's like, wow, well, at least I can have some peace in my life here, too. You know?
0: it's, like- it's a different story. Did you see the picture this week of Messi going out to the park with his uh, with his wife? Yeah. Did you see that picture?
1: I, I, I did. And yeah. they're on
0: a park bench. I think it's like they're in a park bench, and they're talking, and they're smiling Crazy. and all that. And yeah. in the next park bench, you see his bodyguard just like <laughs> making sure nobody comes near him. You know, even for that dude is in every photo, still there.
1: That dude is in every photo, like in the upper corner, the lower corner. You always see him, like in the back over his shoulder. He is close by. Where's Waldo?
0: Yeah. But except he's easy to find.
1: (laughs) One of the play, which player was it? One of the players dressed up as Messi's, one of the inner Miami players dressed up as Messi's bodyguard for Halloween. It was Robert Taylor, I believe. Yeah, I think think it was
0: Robert Taylor. It was great.
1: (laughs) how great is that? Uh, there were, uh, there's a couple of other um, members of the technical staff who are also departing, but for good reasons. Daniel Fradley is the head of performance analysis and he's gonna take that same position within the CFG group. So there's 13 satellite teams under the uh, city football group auspices. And uh, Fradley is, in essence is going to be in charge of all those teams and keeping That's track great. of that. So, so congratulations to him because it's a wonderful promotion. And then Kevin it Tosti, is. Kevin Tosti, who we also got to know, it was his assistant, was the second in command with the uh, uh, performance analysis. Uh, he's going full time with the U.S. Men's National Team. Greg Berhalter, which is a yeah. you know wonderful. So two guys that I were saw very him in
0: Hartford. I, I saw him in Hartford before the last game of the season, and uh, you know I, I saw him there, and I'm like, "What are you doing here?" And he yes. was ta- and he was telling me that he had just taken the job and that the that you know when New York City seasons ends, that that would be his last game and all that. I'm really happy for him. I mean that's a really massive uh, jump as well to be with a national team. You know, especially coming into a, you know with all the you know amazing you know um, tournaments that are coming up between Copa America. Uh, well, the qualification to Copa America, which comes up, Copa America, which hopefully they make. Uh then you go and uh, you have uh can you imagine they're not making Copa America? Can you and especially uh,
1: can you yeah. imagine not making Copa America and Trinidad keeping you from going there? It'd be another again, Trinidad story, yeah.
0: Again, and then I mean there's Gold Cup, and then after that, there's a there's the World Cup. So uh boy, it's it's massive. It's really happy for him, a really nice guy. And so, I think both it's of important, them, and it's important. as well.
1: It's important to note, too, Roberto, that these, these are vital positions within the organization. I know they're going to look uh, inside first, but it's uh, – Fradley, just to be clear, he's been there almost since the very first day of the franchise. So, you know, we talk about people that are, are vital. I talked about Morales, you know, how important he was to MLS Cup. Well, Fradley was as well. You know, uh, Ronnie Dyla leaned on him, and then Nick Cushing really leaned on him, too. He was on the grass. He was in the midst of training as well. So it's uh, it's an important position to fill, both of them, uh, to be sure. And New York City, Roberto, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. I think we must have talked about it. They're training until November the seventeenth, and that's that's in the collective bargaining agreement. Players, whether they get eliminated or not, they have to they they, they train until November the seventeenth. So they're up there in Orangeburg doing something. We haven't seen it, but uh, they they, they are been up invited. There. No, <laughs> well, we haven't couple- asked for
0: an invitation either. But let's be fair.
1: Well, actually, I have, and I'm still waiting because I I understand they were going to have a couple of scrimmages. So I'd like to go up and watch a scrimmage, but we'll see. I'd like to, too. What
0: are we going to do? If you find out, let me know.
1: We'll we'll give it a shot. All right, Roberto, let's uh, kick it around. What do you say? An extension of the first segment, if you don't mind, Roberto. But this oh. is kicking it around. It doesn't. It doesn't apply to current NYCFC players. Tati Cassiano started for Lazio yesterday, and uh, played seventy-eight minutes. Or on Sun, uh, was it yesterday or on? Su- what's today? I don't even know what the day is. Anyway, forget. Today's forget Tuesday. what I just said. On Sunday, uh, he didn't. He got one shot. It was on goal. Uh, then Immobile came in for him and ended up converting a penalty in. Uh, 90 minutes plus five, fifth minute of stoppage time. And Lazio beat Fiorentino, uh, for, Fiorentina 1-0. Uh, Fiorentina, Rocco Camiso's club. And the there's, there's a battle. Yeah. They have a battle for this uh, Europa Conference League. Like, whoever finishes sixth in Serie A, right now Fiorentina is there on 17 points. Lazio then is seventh with 16 points. So it was a big win.
0: Absolutely. Big win. I'm glad to see that Tati's getting some minutes. And uh you know, he's gone up as far as the quality of the team. Maybe not necessarily the quality of the league, because I think that Spain and and Italy are pretty much equal. So, um, you know, but it's it is very different, and the defending is different, and all that. And he's uh, hoping that uh, he's going to be able to break out. What does he have? One goal this season so far.
1: I think that's right. I think that's right. But yeah, getting, so, um... a, getting a start in a getting a start in a what was a very important match uh, it does have a lot of meaning. And then before we get to MLS Cup playoffs, uh, I want to tell the, a brief story about Fred Briand. Now, Fred Briand, we know as uh, the first uh, couple of years of the uh, franchise, Fred Briand was the uh, a starting central defender for New York City FC, and uh, he's uh, now an assistant coach at DC United, although he's in limbo because Wayne Rooney left, uh, new general manager has not been hired, and they're not going to name a coach until that happens, so... Fred's not sure what's going to happen, but I had him on my show recently on XM called The Coaching Academy, and I asked him the question, was he surprised that Rooney uh, resigned right after D.C. United defeated New York City FC on decision day 2-0? Not the, well, it was D.C. United's decision Their decision day. Yeah, and it really, it's, it's, it's the result really that prevented New York City from getting into the playoffs. And uh, here's a clip from my interview. He said he wasn't surprised about that but he was surprised that Rooney didn't bring him along listen
2: was surprised um, in terms of my situation uh because all the time he said to me you know if I'm leaving uh you are you are with me uh you are doing my job you know the way I work and uh you are I, I trust who you are and uh so I say we never know. We are we, gonna see, you know. So he left without uh, ask, ask, asking me if I wanted to go with him. So I, I was a little bit surprised. Um, to be fair, uh, but I heard after 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 a few few days that the club in Birmingham wanted big name, and uh, I don't have a big name in uh, in England. So it, it is what it is, you know. For me, it's uh, you don't need to to push or force things, you know. Maybe it's a destiny. Um, there um... is no regret. Um, I wish them the best but it is it is what it is it is what it is
1: that is unfortunate because isn't wayne rooney's name big enough you need a big name assistant (laughs) you know what i mean i don't know about that i don't know if i would buy that reasoning uh fred but i know you you'll just take it in stride and and now move on to your next adventure yeah so what a bunch of malarkey right what a bunch of (laughs) malarkey
0: I don't know. Maybe they did tell him that. I mean, just like, um, no, sure I, I can just imagine saying- the arrogance saying, who's this Briant guy? No, you need somebody, you know, local, you know, local, important local and, and that. And uh, yeah, I, I they- don't, I, I can get that. I mean, obviously, if he Ro- Rooney really, really wanted to say, like, I'm not taking, you know, I'm not going to take the job unless I can bring Briant along.
1: You just answered you it. You
0: know, are they going to say, well, don't take the job?
1: No, they're not. If he told the guys bringing him along, you bring him along. Wayne Rooney goes in and said, "This guy's got to be with me. He's worked with me last year. We need him." That's all that's got to be said. And, and we're talking Birg- Birmingham City. Uh, here's Wayne Rooney after a, a recent uh, result. So, uh, as I put up on Twitter, he's worked miracles since he's got there. The coach who was fired before him, sacked, had won two in a row, and Birmingham City was in sixth place in the championship. Rooney is zero and three. And now they've dropped to 14th in the championship. So there he is, scratching his head, trying to figure it all out. Who knows? If it takes, there? It,
0: it, you know, it takes time, though, right? I mean, we've seen this. It takes time to adapt to a new team. And I mean, I don't know how much he was following them before the fact that uh, he wound up taking the job and what he knew about them. But I mean, just like any place else, I mean, sometimes you win your first game and everything's really exciting. But we understand it really takes a few weeks, you know, five, at least five, six games before you get the, the whole general sense of what you should be doing when you're a manager.
1: So you don't get you don't get the gist of anything I'm doing here. I'm hammering the guy. I yes, think. I know you reason, are. I'm just being I'm the voice of him.
0: reason as I always have to be here.
1: Right. Oh, the, the voice of reason. He, yes. screwed, o- he screwed over Fred Brillion, but you're the voice of reason. All right, let's get to, the, let's get to these My playoffs. Friend,
0: sorry, I agree with you.
1: <laughs> uh, MLS playoffs. I don't know how many times you did this, Roberto, but it happened several times to me where I didn't watch, I didn't watch every game in full. I've seen the highlights of all the games, but, and I've watched a couple of games. But uh, when I would wake up and see the score, if I, if I wasn't sure by the end of the night – I I saw the score and my immediate thought was that the team that lost was eliminated. And then I'd always have to come back and think, no, it's this ridiculous best of three, (laughs) which is getting hammered right and left by players, by, uh, certainly by journalists. Uh, yeah, this was from, um, front office sports and, uh, yeah, we've heard criticism from every angle, and certainly, the, the players are wondering. And look, the coaches have to be careful how they uh, direct their criticism here. But if you, I, I think we've heard it from enough people uh, within clubs where the regular season become the regular season is demeaned enough by having nine playoff teams in each conference. Now you're taking it another level. Where FC Cincinnati wins the Supporters Shield, and they've got to go to Red Bull Arena to win a game in order to, like, you know, to advance. Or if they don't, then they got to go back home again and force forced to a third game with the New York Red Bulls. So it's uh, that's the reason I don't like it in particular. It really takes away from the uh, from the regular. At least you know, if you're if you're seated above somebody, you're home for that game. Home home field advantage means a lot for most teams. And uh, that's what you deserve. That's what you deserve. because
0: You do get a a home game because the third game is being played back at your place. No,
1: no, no. One home game, period. Knockout. End of story.
0: I understand that. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to make sure that people understand that it's not like a two-game series. They've got to go, and there's a third game. If if Cincinnati loses at Red Bull Arena on Saturday, right? They play Saturday. If they lose, then they get another home game, you know, back at uh, TQL.
1: Yeah. yeah, they shouldn't have to win three games. They abandoned the best- look,
0: I agree, but did, l- l- let's explain why this is happening, right? Uh Apple spent $2.5 billion on rights over the next 10 years, $250 million a year. That's a minimum. If they sell a lot more advertising or there's more interest and they sell a lot more subscriptions, then that number goes up. It's not a you know, it's not a total number, it is the minimum number. All right. And so To be able to get the most out of this, they wanted more playoff games. And so they pushed and obviously pushed hard enough that MLS came up with expanding the playoffs to nine teams, having a playing game. And then from there, that first round being best of three. And so there's a lot more television inventory for Apple. And that is the main reason why this is happening. I mean, we were all very happy with the format that they had just before right the format that we had last year that okay. the the two top teams in the conference rested week you know rested for the first round and then they joined in the seventh, in the second round and there was what was it uh how many teams were there eight you know at that point seven so, or whatever it was or so seven seven times two so, yeah and so we were happy i thought that that format worked very well it was very exciting everybody you know, liked it the philadelphia inquirer also hammered this and had a great article on it and in the Philly Inquirer. Go look for it. Go get a subscription in Philly, Um, you know, because he covers the league very very well and all of soccer and th- that's pretty good. So and he hammered it and uh, but the proof is going to be in the pudding. So far, the games have been very good, right? And attendance were wondering attendance. if that was attendance. Going to happen. I know attendance. attendance hasn't been great. Yes, I know that. But is it I'm all just- attendance? No, I the, the most important thing to me is the quality of games and if they're going to be exciting. That's the most important. <laughs> Obviously, attendance. You want to see all these games full and everything as rowdy as possible because that helps sell the sport and it makes things better. You know, and to see you know games that weren't sold out. Cincinnati wasn't sold out. They had twenty four thousand and change when their sellout is 25,513. The um. I didn't see what the attendance numbers were for LAFC, but they were 22. wide patches. Well, 22. they didn't well they, there's a lot of no shows there. I mean in well, the there, thousands. And that we Cincinnati, never see.
1: FC Cincinnati had a lot of no shows also, but go ahead.
0: No, but they didn't sell out. If you're telling I'm, me that they have 22,000, 22,000 is a sellout at uh at you BMO don't, Stadium.
1: I you know, let's not talk about this anymore, other than to say attendance was very poor for a playoff game. Pretty much across the board, you know. You could look at they Houston. They knew it sold out. You could look at Houston also, that had a had a really, you know, they've tr- they've struggled over the years with with any game, yeah. whether it's a regular or or. And they, uh, I, had I don't know what thousand,
0: which for them is almost good.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I think that that's my point. You know, is that that's fan that's fan interest that dictates fan interest when you don't show up for a playoff game, why don't you show up for that playoff game? Because it's not a deciding game. You're going to come to the third game if, if if necessary, because now it's for all the Marvel. And you could say, wow, that's, that's built up all this excitement. I'm talking from a sporting standpoint, but also from a fan standpoint. They spoke by not showing up. We'll never know what the television numbers were because Apple doesn't release any of that. So we'll have no idea who is watching these games. But, you know, I think it's... Uh, uh, and the other thing about the format is, um, well, you know, and they've had this issue before with the international break, but it's uh, first and second rounds. Teams, there are teams that might go almost three weeks without playing a game because of the format uh, and because, you know, somebody might sweep in two and then the other series are going to the third and the whole thing. And, uh, you know, uh, that seems – you're already struggling with the international break anyway. Keeping the interest—that's always been a discussion point, which was also solved last year. So I, they had it solved. And what you said at the very top, Roberto, Apple TV dictated this. MLS went along, and that's it. Period.
0: Hey, money talks.
1: Yeah. So uh, let's. How about, the, how about the games? Uh, the games themselves. Kevin Baxter, LA Times, also wrote a pretty good piece. Uh, uh, along with uh, Jonathan, uh, to it's it's I, I like hearing all everybody's perspective. You know, it's really uh, and then some teams have a longer break in between the second uh, the first and second game and the second and third game within all the teams in the playoffs, and that's not right either. So whatever, um, <laughs> FC Cincinnati, you gonna, you go,
0: go to Cupertino and solve this.
1: Cupertino, what's Cupertino?
0: Apple headquarters. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) I don't. I don't. Where is that in LA?
0: It's uh, closer to San Francisco, I believe.
1: Oh, in the old, in the the valley. Okay.
0: No, the valley is in LA. No, that's where. uh, No, 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 no. The valley is LA. Cupertino, California is near San Jose, San Francisco. It's that whole area you know the silicon, oh, nice. the Silicon valley the, va- the when ma- you say the valley it means uh it, it means the one that's near la uh silicone valley is close together
1: yeah. i'm thinking Silicon valley and i couldn't think of the word silicone but i'm glad it's there grateful dead influence and i'm sure that really plays a role in, in all the <laughs> happenings all right let's get to some of these games so cincinnati beat the red bulls three nil at tql they didn't fill the place up, which is very rare there. Uh, what stood out to you in this game? We're gonna. Here's what we're gonna do. Each of us is gonna put uh, mention one thing that really stood out to us in each game.
0: Uh, I have a lot of things that stood out to me what? in this one, but fine. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you one. Okay. Cincinnati scored first, and the Red Bulls haven't won any of their last 14 games when they give up the first goal.
1: Look at you pulling that out. That's beautiful. That's the best one, Roberto. That is really good. Good job. Now, I went for Serge Goma for the Red Bulls. Now, I, he, not a lot of people know about him because the, the poor kid came in. He's 18 years old. He was on a U-15 national team earlier. He's a really dynamic player. And early on in his Red Bull career in 2022, when he was 17, he scored this late goal against Atlanta to give uh, – uh, Red Bull to win. I happened to be watching the game. I was like, wow, who is this kid? Then he scores a goal against Austin at Austin. They win four to three. And then shortly after that, he uh, this is uh, this is near the tail end of the season. Then he gets a hamstring injury in 23 and misses the whole year until now. It was a hamstring. I contacted Mark Fishkin, who's you know the guy, he is Mr. Red Bull. And he said, he confirmed it was a hamstring the whole year. Imagine that. That's a Hell of a hamstring probably
0: got. He probably got well trained and then re-injured it well, because there's no way that it takes out long.
1: Well, that, that may have happened. Anyway, he's back. He came in as a reserve in this game, and I think he could. He, he's the kind of guy that could have a, an impact on their attack. Uh, I know they scored five in the wild card game, but this is not a high-scoring team. So uh, that, that was my point. All right, Orlando 1, Nashville 0. What do you got there?
0: Uh, oh, I have to go first in all of these. Well, uh, let's see. I'll uh, go first on this
1: one. I'll go first on this go, one. Go, so you go can... first
0: on it. Go. Uh,
1: our friend John Rojas sent a text to us at the end of the regular year, and it went something like this Oscar Perea, who is the uh, manager for Orlando, the cheapest roster in MLS, cheapest, uh, and second overall, the team, uh, international tournament for next year players all over in the national teams along in, in their respective countries. But this is according to John, the experts, as he put it, are not ready for that conversation. That is the conversation that Perea is this uh, outstanding coach. And um, so I thought I'd bring that up. That's that's pretty cool. Orlando right now, you know, you wouldn't be out of uh, your mind if you picked them to win MLS Cup. And no, they have... I
0: think they're one of the two, two to three favorites for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, trying, I think the winner comes out of the East this year, and it's going to be, it's going to be either Orlando or Cincinnati. I, I think that those are far and away the two strongest teams. I don't see anybody in the West uh, being able to win, although, you know, Seattle is peaking at the right time, but I've we're not a, talking about them yet. I've
1: got a dark horse in the West, but go ahead. What's your Orlando point?
0: Okay. No, it's not going to be Orlando. You took Orlando. I'll take it the other way. How did Nashville do this? I mean, how did Nashville manage to get themselves into this position? I mean, obviously, they defend very well, but this is a team that, despite having Hani Mukhtar, you know, has only scored, has failed to score in 15 of their 35 games. That's almost half of their 35 games this season. Toronto, 18, (laughs) and Colorado, 17, are the other teams that uh, have done worse. I mean, not even New York City. And we've 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 talked about the fact that New York City had problems scoring and they well, we didn't talk about the fact that this has been their worst season scoring ever. But that team with that fewer goals scored and being shut out almost half the time, and they're still in a position to continue to advance. And having a you know a lethal striker like Hani Mukhtar.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy. That is crazy. Mukhtar. Still a good uh, player, obviously, and I'm sure getting MVP votes, but uh, it's not going to happen. Philadelphia three, New England one. Roberto, I'll go first again. I, this go. Daniel Gaz, Gazdag. Uh, this penalty conversion thing is unbelievable. I've never, I've never heard of anything like this. It's like Rick Barry. Remember, he never missed a 3 throw. This guy never misses a penalty. He's eighteen well, he for eight. Year. 18 for 18 this year, all competitions. 25 for 25 in his union career, all competitions. He scored 14 goals this year, 11 from the spot. And one final note, he has only failed to score once in 32 overall penalty kicks in his entire career professionally.
0: Okay, that's his club career. B, it's his club career because he missed a penalty for his national team this year. He scored one and missed one in, uh, in a game for his national team. And he missed the second penalty kick he ever took, and that was in a Europa League game. He had actually s- scored the first one and in the same game got a second one, and then he missed that one, and it was in a Euro- Europa game. I remember looking this up way back when. And then this year, he missed one uh, during, I, th- I think it might have been the Euros uh he actually did miss a penalty kick this year and I was like shocked and it may have been even in a shootout I'm not really sure and and well, but these not... the, the stats that you're mentioning are his club career so I yeah, just wanted to shootout. make a small distinction you're not wrong but I just wanted to make not that small in, distinction
1: and not in shootouts either you know these are <laughs> just penalties yeah you know? it's, it's incredible what uh,
0: it's it's really automatic, except that he doesn't do it underhand like Rick Barry did. And uh, so that should take uh, that should take away, you know, some brownie points.
1: And how about New England falling off the face of the earth since all this Bruce Arena stuff started and ended? Yeah. And uh, they have not been the same, despite the fact that Kurt Onofo said uh, we're we've got a bunch of pros here. These guys are going to get it done. And they really haven't. And if they get eliminated at home uh, in the next match, I mean, they have time to recover and, and make it all right. But yeah. uh, this is a team that has suffered by virtue of whatever happened with Arena uh, and what he said in order to uh, earn the wrath of uh, not only the club, but the league to be suspended. And now in order to get back, and you know, we've heard the story that he's contacted uh, D.C. United. That came from Pablo Mauer, who's a very who covers that area very closely for the athletic. And uh, but if if D.C. United wants him, he's got to go through the commissioner's office does Bruce Arena uh, in order to be reinstated. He has to reapply or I don't know, go through. So I, I don't even know what exactly happens, but some sort of interview process. Yeah,
0: it's a conversation. There's going mm-hmm. to be a conversation and uh, we'll see how that uh, how that goes. There's one thing that's really important. We're seeing a lot of these games that have Really big score lines. It doesn't matter. It's just about wins, goals. Well, that's the other thing. Difference. I doesn't hate that. Matter.
1: I don't like that doesn't either. Matter. LAFC okay. beat Vancouver five two, and it's like, uh, uh, as someone wrote, it's like winning one nil on an own goal. Doesn't matter, you know. And
0: it yep, doesn't matter.
1: It's too bad. So you're at home, uh, you know. Now you got to go on the road. Best of three, and now the goals don't even count. I mean, it's. Um, I don't like it. I don't like it. All Seattle right.
0: be- Well, now that we're talking about that game, now that All we're right. talking about that game, let, let, let's talk about how that game went because it was a wild first half. And then LA in the second half, uh, you know, got the job done. And Dennis Buanga has just been fantastic for them. He's got goals, he's contributed to goals of the last four games, and LA in their last four games have scored 15 goals. I mean, you talk about a team peaking as far as goal scoring is concerned. LAFC has done that. And there was a ton of empty seats in that game. And as you would mention, mentioned, that was really weird. 32-52 was fully populated and in full voice, as they always are. And to me, they add to the best atmosphere in MLS. They may not get the biggest crowds. You know, it's not Atlanta. It's not Charlotte. It's not um, Seattle. You know, but between them and Portland, they had the, the most fun to the game by their supporters. They, I, I mean, they're always in great voice. They have great songs. They're, you know, they, they're they contagious. It's yeah, a great atmosphere. The,
1: yeah, and I, I, we're on the same wavelength, even though it wasn't packed, uh, but the supporters were. Uh, I think that's the place... And we've been to all these places, but most of them, we haven't been to Austin yet, so I can't speak for Austin. I haven't is, been to,
0: tell- you you went, to, that was the season that English traveled and Spanish didn't.
1: Okay, so. Because just, uh, ESPN the por-
0: Deportes was cheap.
1: Okay. <laughs> the uh, was. The atmosphere there can really change a game like no other place. That's what I believe. You know, it's like, that's where you can, your team's down a goal. You know, there's 20 minutes left, and I'm not going to be surprised if it ends up 5-2, you know, and, and that's – that.
0: Although it didn't happen I'll,
1: quite that way. But I'm saying that's sort of the, the way I felt watching the game.
0: Yeah, but but it's, it, it, you get the feeling, but uh, the facts are – the facts sadly don't support that because they've lost the uh, Champions League final at home. They lost Campeones Cup at home to Mexican teams. They had a chance to be able to win both of those tournaments having that support, and they didn't get it done.
1: All right. Point well taken. Uh, St. Louis at home lost to Sporting KC 1-4. to My uh, point in that game, anytime I can make a New York City reference, Kyrie Shelton, former New York City winger, replaced Johnny Russell at the start of that game, you know, and was impactful. One of the two changes – Peter Vermees made. Now, they had to play a midweek game. Johnny Russell's getting a little older. I don't know how much of that played a role. Uh, But uh, Sporting KC, this is a team that lost, uh, excuse me, did not win in any of their first 10 games. First 10 games of the year, they didn't have a victory. They got into the playoffs, and now they're on a roll, man. It's pretty cool. Uh,
0: So I've got a couple of stats for you, okay, on this. All right. right. And this sort of drove me crazy because I was reading – something what was it? yesterday I was reading a report on the game yesterday at, at mls.com and you know it's a great place to go and find out what's going on okay but I I, I, I took exception to what they wrote because on one hand they wrote they didn't win it in the first 10 games fine they had the best record in the west since May and then they say this is a huge upset no it's not you just told me why it's not a huge upset You just told me that even though St. Louis City, which is a brand new team in this league, and yes, won the West, but didn't have the best record in the West since May, it was Sporting Kansas City. So how is that a huge upset? It's not a huge upset. I'm not saying it's an expected result, but it's not a huge upset because it's not your normal one versus eight matchup where the eighth team, you know, does it. We, there are reasons, okay? So, Alan Pulido didn't play in the first six games, I believe. Five or six games for them because he was hurt. He's coming back from a long-term injury since 2021, okay? Didn't play at all in 2022, all right? And so, once he came back, now, the first game he started, they wound up losing to Colorado 1-0 in, at home. And so they were still going through a bad stretch, but he changed for them. He changed the game for them. And, you know, there was a lot of people talking about Pulido and what was what was he going to do if it was going to be his last year in KC, if he was going to go to Guadalajara, because in Mexico they're reporting Guadalajara wants him, he wants to go to Guadalajara, etc. cetera. Meanwhile, we're reading here in the States how much he loves living in the States because it's just so much different and he really, really loves it. At the end of the day, he winds up signing a new extension for three years to stay in KC over the summer, and uh, his salary was like $2.2 million. He's still a designated player. I don't think we know. I didn't read to see what the if his salary is still over $2.2 million, okay? But here's the thing with Alan Pulido and how important he is and how important a set of forward can be, all right? Without Alan Pulido sporting Kansas City which has had all sorts of trouble we were talking about last year right is uh Peter Vermes going to come back and then we realize Peter Vermes is in a special situation he runs he almost owns that team there's no way they're getting rid of him but without Alan Pulido they had a record of 20 wins 28 losses and 13 ties and they scored 1.25 goals per game with Alan Pulido, 28 wins, 16 losses, 12 ties, and they score 1.8 goals per game. All right? Yeah, that's the difference. That's the difference in KC. Alan Pulido was rock solid for them. He came in and he scored 14 goals, and uh, he didn't even have a full season to do it. And he cha- one guy can actually change a team, and he was that guy. And They're that's expect- why this is a much more even series than the one versus eight narrative that we were getting. This is not an upset. I, uh, I,
1: I expected the segue into New York City FC without a striker for a good portion of the season. And you were relating how important it is to have a number nine. I know you've been crying that all season, Roberto, and, Monsef Bacrar came in, but as uh, many midseason transfers do, he, uh, it took him a while to uh, acclimate, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll get a better look at Monsef Bacrar with a full preseason and, and see what he can do next year for New York City. Houston beat RSL 2-1. Let's just I, – I, I, we'll go over this briefly. Uh, I thought the, there was a quote after the game from Artur, the Brazilian midfielder, who said, we managed the pace of the game as to why they won the match and a Ben Olsen team managing the pace of the game. I love the uh, transformation of Ben Olsen as a coach with a team that can play in a, in a manner where maybe he wanted to play all along at DC United, but they weren't a, uh, I don't recall DC United teams under Ben Olsen managing the pace of the game uh, necessarily, unless it was how they pressed and made the game a little faster. But Artur is saying, we slowed it down, then we sped it up. Then we slowed it down, and then we sped it up. And that's why I, uh, I, I said earlier, I have a dark horse to win the MLS Cup. It's this team, Houston. I think they might be playing as well as anybody right now in the league.
0: And they've got two of the better midfielders in this league, and they're both playing at a very high level with Héctor Herrera, who, by the way, completed 129 passes in that game. You're talking about where does everything run through? It runs through Héctor Herrera. And then Alberto Carrasquilla. He's uh, not long for this league. He's going to go to Europe very, very soon. And he's got contributions for goals in the last three games. He really shone out for, for Panama when... Um, what was it during uh gold cup i think it was he was really really excellent and he helped get them to the final remember in the game against the u.s he was excellent um and he had been throughout that whole tournament and since he's been back with houston he's been very very good as well as a matter of fact even in the game that new york city lost to them one nothing although their carrasquilla was uh a, a big man in that game and so he's been excellent and i really think that uh Europe will come a-calling for him very, very soon.
1: I guess Artur should adjust his quote that Hector Herrera managed the pace of the game <laughs> with <laughs> 129 completed. That's uh, amazing! Passes. Huh? That's amazing! It is. Alright, just a couple other things, Roberto, and uh, we're, we're into overtime, or added time, uh, but uh, or extra time depending on what type of the year it is we don't have all extra right time. Or... there is no no there is no extra time in the mls cup playoffs of course best two out of three they go right to penalties so that's that's another thing i don't like just for the record but
0: but that's only for this round i have no i, I know I don't, I don't that doesn't mean uh, I n- like next it. rounds they are one game knockouts so after that i presume we're going back to uh extra time and uh and penalties
1: Messi wins his eighth Ballon d'Or, and certainly uh, Argentina winning the World Cup. I think that played a significant role, considering what Erling Holland did in uh, 2023. I mean, my goodness. Uh, He really, in some ways, did more than Messi individually. But I think that World Cup put Messi over the top. And then speaking of World Cup, Roberto, 2000... You don't think it
0: was a League's Cup win? I was, like, balancing that. I think, it Thinking, was the US... you know, probably League's Cup was the one that really said, all right, fine, we got to give it to him.
1: No, I think it was the U.S. Open Cup semi-final victory that actually got him over the top, <laughs> although we'll never see that on the Apple documentary. We'll never see it, but that's what got him the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> World Cup 2034, Saudi Arabia. It's 11 years before this thing even. Rob Harris, I, I don't know how much you read him, but I really respect him. Uh, I think you should follow him, everybody. Uh, this is an article he wrote in early October, but it gives you the gist of things. FIFA, C- FIFA just put in this uh, short-term opportunity to apply for the 2034 World Cup. Unprecedented how they've gone about this. And they did it, according to Rob Harris and many, with the purpose so that uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, the kingdom, as he puts it, uh, would uh, handily win this because Australia was really the only other group That had a chance to maybe come up with a bid and they've dropped it today they dropped it they're not going to bid there's only one country bidding it's saudi arabia uh typically countries it is according to rob typically countries are given a long period to consider bids which require vast planning especially since the men's tournament was expanded to 48 teams from uh, 32 and uh, he, uh, he being Rob, uh, suggests that this is um, this was very much a, a Gianni Infantino-driven uh, uh, moment uh, because his relationship really? with the Saudis are very close. I'm and so uh, and how did he put it here? Africa, Europe, and South America were knocked out of competition for this uh, by a behind-the-scenes deal with FIFA what they did in 2030 because six countries are going to host the World Cup in 2030. We've read about that. Well,
0: saying six is really pushing it considering there's going to be one game a piece in, in Uruguay, it. Argentina, and what, Paraguay was the it's third true. one?
1: Yeah, but it's not pushing it because the fact that one game in each country is going to be played in 2030, South America was taken out of the mix for 2034. A complete construction to guide it towards Saudi Arabia. I believe that, too. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know as much as Rob Harris, who has studied it intently, along with other journalists. It's something to go I out mean, and look. Google and see. Make your own opinion by reading all the different accounts, including FIFA's, what they have to say about it. But uh, it seems to me that... Um, ele- and here's the, other, here's the best part, Roberto. 2027, FIFA Women's World Cup, they still don't know where it's going to be. But they know where the 2034 Men's World Cup is going to be. Case closed.
0: Uh, you know that they arrange these things. I mean, well, we yeah. saw what happened with Qatar. But they deny so, it. Why um, deny it? Why
1: not just say this is where we want to put it? <laughs> you, you know, and just and then we'd all shut up. Now we have to speculate. I mean, t-
0: it's it's absurd that 2030. Isn't being played in South America with Uruguay hosting most of the games because yeah. that's what they should have done.
1: Well, the initial thought is that well they threw your Uruguay a bone and you know they're going to do this and this and they it wanted, had these...
0: they hosted the first World Cup. I know in I, I, nineteen thirty. I get it. They should have gotten it again 100 years later, not just I, a, okay, I we'll throw it. you a bone. You get one bloody game at home, and it. then you got to travel 10 hours to join the rest of the tournament.
1: That's great, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. That's, but it's a, bo- yeah, they threw him a bone so they could get Saudi Arabia locked into 2034. It's really. Um, it's 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 a uh, it's a sad statement.
0: And here's what it's FIFA should have done. Okay, now now you got me political. This uh. is what FIFA should have done. Okay, Saudi Arabia has been trying between golf, opening up their soccer league, and you know paying gazillions of dollars to all these players, and now wanting the World Cup. Okay. They're doing this to try to sanitize their image around the world and give a different perspective of who they are and all that. Sports you watching. want to change that? You are want you to point? change that? Give people in your country equal rights. Women equal rights, gays equal rights, immigrants equal rights. Do that. And FIFA, being who they are, should have said, "You know what? We're going to give you the we're going to give you the 2034 World Cup without a bid. We'll give it to you." under the condition that you do that and if you don't do that then you don't get it because they have the power to do it and they didn't do it and they should have done it and if they and let Saudi Arabia say we're not going to do it then if you give us conditions and we have to give people equal rights then we're not going to do it they should have done it and shame on them for not having done that plus shame on them plus plus Saudi
1: Arabia is breaching FIFA requirements to not discriminate against gay people, which, was, which originated in Qatar and the fallout there, uh, the anti-LGBTQ laws. So there, there's actually, there's a, there's a FIFA requirement. And here's how, what the Saudi sports minister said. And again, this is back in the Sky News article. He said they, meaning gays, or LGBTQ community. They are welcome. I'm sure they've come to some of our events. We don't go around asking, are you gay or straight? Everyone's welcome. There are rules that everyone respects. So then you ask, what are the rules? Rules that everyone respects at our culture and how they have to abide by the culture that we have. So what do you think of that? Don't hold
0: hands. Don't smile at each other. I mean, yes. what are you going to do? God Almighty.
1: But they're claiming that if it's a man and a woman, they can't do those things either in uh, in public. Well, there's,
0: there's that as well. Look,
1: I, I'm just. I, you, I'm have, not,
0: you had an opportunity I'm not FIFA, them. To, ma- to make the world a better place. Yeah. You had an opportunity to make the world a better place and you punted. And that's what you did for money.
1: And I used the the word sports watching a little earlier when you were on your uh, rampage there, but that's what you're saying, right? That's what you were saying.
0: As far as?
1: Well, sports watching is using sports to to improve your image, despite the fact that you still have. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. Oh, that's the whole reason. Absolutely.
1: Well, there'd be some debate there, too, probably. I'm not debating you. I'm just saying, you know, that's not... uh, that's not in line with what the uh, the ministers of that country would say. That's all. But I'm uh, it's I think it's uh, look, I I know that um, it impacted part of my family Qatar because uh, um, we have gay couples, gay married couples in my family, and uh, they wouldn't watch one second of the World Cup in Qatar because of. Uh, and it was just out of, um, you know, out of support for their own rights. But just because they were, uh, they wouldn't support anything where a major event like that would be in a country like that. And the fact that these things are permitted uh, is is all about money. And uh, it always comes back to that, doesn't it, Roberto?
0: Well, look, our good friend and uh, Grant Wall, you know, made a point in Qatar and uh, with the shirt that he was wearing. And they gave him all sorts of problems for that.
1: Yeah. No question. I took a picture of me and Grant. We sat together at a lot of games of after he came upstairs late with that shirt on. And he told me the story at the time. And he, he actually said also, he said they ended up being cooperative at the end. You know, at first it was, and then and then he said they were almost nice at the end to let him in, you know, because they were – they were trying to be on their best behavior. Everybody uh, involved yeah. in that tournament, you know, I was there. It was—you uh, never felt unsafe. I didn't. Uh, I'm a white guy. I'm uh, sure you didn't. Just walking around, and I, you know, I just, uh, you know, it was—they—they they did their part there. I thought, although there were some uh, women journalists who struggled a little bit getting past security a couple of times, uh, more so than than uh, there were a couple of stories told there that, that were not very pleasant. So, uh. You know, some call that culture; others would call that something else. You yeah. know. All right. Well, look. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. But uh, uh, good show. A lots happened this week, even though New York City was uh, eliminated from playoff con- uh, consideration. If you're just at the tail end of this and you didn't hear the beginning, we're talking about the roster It's move. not
0: live, Glenn. We're
1: talking about it's technical not live. Stats. They
0: have to start at the beginning, most likely.
1: Yeah, but they might, something, they might be distracted no. if it's in their car. If it's in their car and somebody calls, and you know, you just go back and listen. All right. I did it too much live Pause, stuff. Glenn.
0: That's <laughs> the way technology works. It pauses. It doesn't continue to go. All right. Anyway,
1: <laughs> we talk about a lot of good. Go back and listen again in case you didn't remember everything we said. How's that, Roberto? Is that
0: okay? Uh, all right. Fine. If you have my memory, you can do that. All right. For Roberto
1: Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. Till next time on NYCFC News.
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.